That's why we've seen guys like Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame for a fresh start at LSU. We've seen guys like Lincoln Riley leave for a fresh start at USC. The longevity that these coaches have at one particular place is shrinking. Hello and welcome to Always College Football. Today is Monday, May 22nd. We hope that you've had a terrific start to what should be a very exciting offseason. College football is not stopping. It's not slowing down. We got transfer portal players that are picking where they're going to end up, including one receiver that's heading to Florida State. We'll discuss his arrival and what it means for the Seminoles moving forward. We also want to talk about maybe the unsung heroes of some of the athletic departments. There was news out of Southern Cal involving their AD. We're going to talk about the importance of the AD position and what might be more important moving forward than it's ever been before. And we're going to continue to discuss a little bit of big picture business college football. The Pac-12 apparently talks have stalled with ESPN about their media rights deal. What does that mean? And then the Big Ten, that crazy lucrative contract that they signed with CBS, NBC, and with Fox. Well, there's a couple things that still need to get figured out. They need to dot some I's and cross some T's. So we'll talk about what that might mean for the Big Ten as well. So a lot that we need to get to. Let's do it today. It's always college football. All right, big news out of Southern California. As the athletic director for USC, Mike Bone has decided to resign. If you look at some of the details and the allegations surrounding his resignation, do what you want there. LA Times is the one with the details and all the aspects of that. We're, we're not really going to get into that here. That's not really the platform that we're trying to pursue. But the information is available to you. Just Google it, and you'll be able to find out everything it is you want to know. However, it got us thinking a little bit nowadays about the importance of the athletic director role. And just in a time in which things are remarkably uncertain, you don't know exactly where your team might even be playing in the next couple of years, see what's going on in the ACC, see what happened with both Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, and look at what Mike Bone did for USC and bringing them into the Big Ten, and ultimately bringing UCLA along with them. So I decided to take a quick step back and talk about a position that really hasn't been one of those forward-facing positions for a very long time. Yes, the athletic director, everyone acknowledges the importance of having a well-run athletic department. There's no denying the importance of trying to create revenue for your athletic department, and to be that visible figurehead, if you will, I, I would argue right now, today in 2023, it might be more important than it's ever been before. I look at just a few of the recent examples. Let's remove Mike Bone from the conversation. Look, look at what Miami did just last year. They go out and they hire Clemson's Dan Radakovich. He, as a result, goes out and does an amazing job raising revenue, figuring out ways of being aggressive, going and getting Mario Cristobal. You look at how it's been impactful in other places as well, where a new hire has completely changed the game. You look at LSU. All right, LSU is a great example. Scott Woodward comes over from Texas A&M. He goes and hires Brian Kelly. We all feel 
on this program. And I feel like nationally, everyone feels really good about what Brian Kelly's going to do at LSU. He also brings in Kim Mulkey, who just won a national championship in just her second year there in Baton Rouge. So a lot to be taken into account with the importance of the AD position. Here's a few things, though, that I wanted to make sure that we brought up when acknowledging the importance right now. One, we're entering into a world where it is extremely, extremely important to prioritize the NIL, but also at the same time, don't do so and then turn your back on potential facility upgrades and things like that. And the AD does an amazing job of that. Look, the NIL, a lot of these, of course, are not affiliated with the university. But let's say if I'm a donor and I'm making a donation to LSU's NIL fund, well, it used to be back in the day, I would make the donation to the athletic department and the AD could decide where that money was going to be spent. It might be on a new locker room. It might be on a Whirlpool hot tub. It might be on a new basketball facility. It might be on training table. I don't know. Whatever the circumstances are, that money, 100% of that $100 donation was going to the athletic department and the AD could kind of figure out where he wanted to spend it. Now, obviously, if I'm making the donation, I can probably tell you, hey, I'd like it to go here. I'd like to go there. Sure, that was always a part of the process. But now that $100 that I'm thinking about donating to my university, well, do I want to put it towards the NIL or do I want to put it towards facilities and towards making sure that the coach's salaries, do I want to make sure that we have this, that, and the other things that you need to be successful? We've seen so many programs in the past. Florida, probably one of the best examples that they basically completely abandoned for a long time. Not anymore. They have since caught up and they have since really invested heavily in their facilities. But throughout the 90s, the early 2000s, and the early 2010s, they were light years behind that of everyone else that they were competing with on the playing field. And they could no longer just sell, hey man, we're Florida. You're going to come here and you're going to win no matter what. No, times were changing. Priorities for the recruits were changing. So as a result, they weren't recruiting the same way as some of their other teams they were competing against. And they ultimately had to put forth a huge fundraising campaign to get their facilities up to speed. Well, now that $100 might be going to NIL or it might be going to facilities. So I think most people, most people that have deep pockets, they have really in recent years prioritized the NIL because it's the new frontier. Hey, we need to figure out how we're going to compete, how much money we want to spend, how much money we want to do all that. Well, it means that the 80s job as a fundraiser is actually more important today than ever. Why? Because they have to actually compete for the money that is being donated. It might be donated to NIL, but hey, man, make sure you keep a little bit of that at home so that we can continue to have state-of-the-art facilities. That's job number one of the AD. Been very, very important. And thus, I think having an important figurehead and an AD that moves the needle has never been more important. The other thing too, reason number two why having a big-time AD is significant. We know that these coaches are making money like they've never made before. 
And when these coaches, a la, let's say, Kirby Smart, for example, he's on top of the college football world right now. He's won back-to-back national championships, has been rewarded with a very lucrative nine-figure deal to be the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. Kirby Smart's in his late 40s. Kirby Smart, if he were coaching back in 2002 when he was making maybe $900,000, he'd probably have to work for 30 years. Maybe less if he wanted to. But the longevity of these coaches, I think, is shrinking considerably. That's why we've seen guys like Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame for a fresh start at LSU. We've seen guys like Lincoln Riley leave for a fresh start at USC. The longevity that these coaches have at one particular place is shrinking. Not just because things get stale, but because they're making so much money. Why am I grinding like crazy to continue to do this when I've already made more money than I could ever spend in one lifetime? So as a result, the coaches, I think, are going to turn over more significantly. The gone are the days when you have a head coach that's at a place for 30 years. Now, there, there might be rare examples of a guy that wants to coach deep into his 70s. Sure, we've seen examples of that. Like Mac Brown couldn't get enough of it, so he wanted to come back. Nick Saban's in his early 70s and has shown no signs of slowing down, at least at this point. But I think those are the anomalies. Matt Luke, formerly the head coach of Ole Miss, most recently the offensive line coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, got a really nice settlement from Ole Miss when he was let go, went to Georgia, coached for a couple of years, won a national championship and said, you know what, guys, I'm good. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Dan Mullen got paid handsomely to shut it down at Florida and decided, you know what, this grind that you're experiencing as a head coach, I'm not really sure I'm necessarily cut out for it the way I once was. So the AD is going to be the guy that is stable. The AD is going to be the guy that's there. And there is a real possibility, even at the best jobs in America, the most high paying jobs in America, you might not be able to keep your coach from retiring because the calendar that these coaches are having to live within is unlike that of anything that they had experienced before. And I don't think the shelf life is what it once was. These guys used to get all of June off. They used to get all of July off. Now they're hosting recruits all throughout June. They're on the road recruiting all throughout the end of May. And I just don't see it being realistic where you hire a guy and you keep him for the better part of two decades. Because guys are going to make so much money, they're going to say, I'm good, man. I'm not going to grind like this anymore. It's shortening my lifespan. So if your AD is there for an extended period of time, he might actually have to participate in multiple head coaching searches. That's a real possibility. You can talk to anybody that's been in the current game versus the way it was back in the day. Everybody and their brothers trying to get to the NFL. Why is that? Because when you coach in the NFL... The calendar that you have to abide by is absolutely nothing like the calendar that you currently have to live with in college football. So the AD might be in charge of multiple head coaching searches throughout the course of his tenure. Number three, in a time in which we are 
living in flux. And these ADs, you have to go out and a lot of this round of realignment, it's not like 2012 when the discussion point was, well, cool, you're the AD at Missouri. How many households you got? <laughs> that was as simple as, hey, you know what? You're the AD at Texas A&M. Perfect. There's 30 million people in the state. And yeah, we kind of want those households in the SEC. Hey, you're the AD at Rutgers. Yeah, you know what? I think it'd be really valuable for us to add New Jersey to the Big Ten or Maryland to the Big Ten. Those were the conversations back in the day. It used to be how many households came with your school. Perfect. Sounds good. You're a good candidate. Come and join us. Now, you look at what Michael Alford, who's the AD at Florida State, what he's been doing, he's out basically showcasing the brand that is Florida State. And who else is going to bang the drum? Look, the football program, the basketball program, those things are going to speak for themselves. But right now, if you're going to align in the future with a more profitable situation, it's going to be because of how strong your brand is. And the one person that can bang the drum on behalf of your brand unapologetically is your AD. Now, your coaches will try to do the same. But your AD is going to be front and center of the conversation. So I think gone are the days where we hire, you know, one of the good old boys to come be our AD and just serve as a figurehead. Those days are gone. We are moving into an era in which you have to be more nimble, you have to be more strategic, you have to be a salesperson, and you also have to be ready to make difficult decisions because how many times in this last recruiting cycle did we see coaches get fired or let go? They really weren't even that bad. But the AD constantly has to be striving for more. And I think it's really, really interesting to see how important that position has become without occupying a whole lot of the conversation. Let's talk briefly about one AD in particular that I think has really stood out over the course of the last 25 years. is Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma. First of all, look at their athletic department as a whole. Hoops is good. Softball's phenomenal. Football, down year last year, but for the most part, it was a difficult circumstance for Brent Venables and company to step into. But you look at just the athletic department and the stability that Oklahoma's had for the better part of the last 20 plus years. In large part due, Bob Stoops is gone, Lincoln Riley's gone, Brent Venables is in, and yet Oklahoma is still held in remarkably high regard. And they're held in such high regard that they became a very appealing candidate when the SEC decided to expand to 16 teams. Of course, they took Texas. We talked about AM a second ago. You got 31 million people in living in the Lone Star State. Well, Oklahoma was a natural fit to join Texas in that realignment. I think a large part of it had to do with the stability that's been created amongst many athletic departments by Joe Castiglione, the AD at Oklahoma. McGregor, let me ask you about having an alumni be the athletic director at certain schools. It didn't work at USC for a long time. Pat Hayden, Lynn Swan, every program was a little down. They bring in Bone and look what he's done. Uh, Ward Manuel down in, up in Michigan, it's working well there. Uh, do you think it would be great or it benefits schools to have alumni as the athletic director or is it a case-by-case -case scenario? It's case-by-case. -case. Every single thing is case-by-case. -case. There are guys that are sharks 
that are amazingly, amazingly successful and accomplished in the business world that maybe just, it just wouldn't work out as an AD. But I, I think now, and conference commissioners are the same way. Look at some of the hires that have been made within conference commissioners the last couple of years. It wasn't your run of the mill. Oh, well, he worked in college for 30 years. Let's go hire the next guy up. Now, the ACC was the last one to do it when Jim Phillips became the commissioner of the ACC. I mean, it kind of starts at the top. But yeah, Jim Phillips hired at the ACC. But look at the most recent hires by the Big Ten. Bringing in Tony Petiti, guy with tons of background with CBS and with a major league baseball with a sports centric background, but not one that was exclusive to the college landscape. You look at what was hired out West in George Klyovkov with the PAC 12. He came from MGM where yeah, loosely, loosely involved in the college sports scene, but hardly it being his pedigree. I mean, something that he clearly dealt with, but not something that he majored in by any stretch of the imagination. And then if you look at what's going on right now, in the Big 12, and some of the moves that have been made by Brett Yormark to get aggressive, to go play games in Mexico, to go add multiple teams, to go continue to pursue other teams in the event in which they became available. I mean, these are our guys. He comes from a Rock Nation background. He comes from a deal-making background, and he wants to be all about the brand. So I think it's really interesting. And look, commissioners are one thing. I think that'll trickle down to ADs. These are going to be guys with really unique backgrounds, with really unique skill sets. And it might not be the old run-of-the-mill mom-and-pop shop that the athletic departments once were. Burn your last piece of toast. Avocado's gone bad? Or is the hot sauce bottle completely empty? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy the quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $10 value when you use code ACF at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $10 on a $15 minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code ACF. Don't forget, that's code ACF for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. 
helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Speaking of news on commissioners, speaking on big business, it's been a big part of our discussion the last couple of weeks on Always College Football. The Pac-12 right now, according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, ESPN and the Pac-12 are having no substantive talks at this time. ESPN passed on Big Ten Sunday Ticket, Premier League, Champions League, and MLS. So the idea that it will be completely out on the Pac-12 is not the least bit surprising. Things can always change, and maybe the Pac-12 can figure out a creative way to get ESPN involved, but right now that seems very unlikely. That's from Andrew Marchand, does a great job covering sports business and sports media for the New York Post. Why is this a significant mistake? Okay, and I look, I full disclosure, I collect a paycheck from ESPN. But as you guys know, on this program for the last year, I have been extremely outspoken about the importance of Fox, CBS, NBC, everybody getting involved in the college sports world. That's good for all of us, okay? A rising tide lifts all ships. And the more networks that are going to be involved in college sports, the better. I really strongly believe that. But I do think it would be a massive mistake for the Pac-12 to pass on the opportunity to sign with one of the aforementioned networks. I don't care if it's with ESPN, NBC, CBS, or with Fox. I think it would be a massive mistake to abandon those four big boys, if you will, in favor of a streaming service. Because right now, the Pac-12 is at a crossroads. They're at a crossroads. And if they can't lock down a crazy lucrative deal, which they won't, because there's too much, there's just too much negativity right now. There's too much uncertainty. Multiple Pac-12 member institutions have already considered the possibility have been, quote, vetted for the Big Ten. All these other things. Do I think the Big Ten is going to go add Washington and Oregon? No, I, I don't think that's... Likely, I don't think that's imminent by any stretch. But right now, the Pac-12 needs the spotlight more so than they need the cash. Because if they align with a streaming service for a ton of money and nobody sees their games, relatively speaking, that's going to hurt the brand when they go back to the table a couple years from now. I firmly believe if I were in charge of the Pac-12 negotiation, and I'm not, I firmly believe it would be in their best interest to sign a short-term deal with ESPN or with Fox or with somebody that can adequately distribute the Pac-12 brand and promote the Pac-12 brand. Maybe you sign a slightly less lucrative deal in favor of the upside the next time you go to the table. So if I were advising the Pac-12, I'd go short, five-year deal, and then you get a bite at the apple when things are hopefully a little bit more stable down the road, but going and aligning exclusively with a more boutique network provider or a streaming service, I think would really diminish the platform and the spotlight the Pac-12 could get if they aligned with ABC, ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, what have you. Now, the Pac-12, they can't make them bid, but I know that that 1030 Eastern window 
for ESPN and Fox has been one that has been very valuable in the past. I'd be surprised if they couldn't find a way to make sure that they get in lockstep with the Pac-12 sooner than later. And speaking of television issues, the Big Ten is currently in the midst of a little bit of an issue. Not that it's going to have a long-term effect on everything that's going on, but we had all celebrated the Big Ten deal with NBC, Fox, and with CBS. But as Tony Batiti has now officially taken over for Kevin Warren, the deal that Kevin Warren was celebrated for is actually largely incomplete. There's a lot of things that still need to be ironed out. So it's something that we'll be paying close attention to a couple of the issues right now that supposedly need to be addressed. There are 12 sources, multiple sources that have been quoted as to these being the problem. So I'm not the source. Just talk to people that are. (laughs) I'm getting the information. It sounds like exactly where you guys are getting it as well. I don't think it's a deal breaker. I don't think it's a huge issue. But just to make sure that you're aware of where things are right now, schools have to pay back nearly $40 million to Fox because according to sources, Kevin Warren delivered NBC the Big Ten title game in 2026 without full authority to do so. So having to clean up some issues there, and as a result, it's going to be a financial penalty for some of the schools in the Big Ten. The other thing that's interesting, now remember, the Fox Big Ten package is going to run mostly at noon, but they can obviously, that's their big game, big noon kickoff. They'll have the big game of the week at noon every single week. But CBS and NBC both have their fair share of picks throughout the course of the season that would lead to them actually having the best game of the weekend. Well, CBS's best game, if they, in the weeks that they end up with the number one game that week, and there will be several per season, that game will be played at 3.30 Eastern time on CBS. And then NBC, they have prioritized prime time. So they're going to be at 7.30 Eastern time on NBC. It's going to be terrific to have different Big Ten windows each and every week. But based on how the draft order is concerned, Fox has the top couple picks, then CBS, then NBC, and then they kind of snake draft the rest of it. Well, there are going to be weeks where NBC has the first overall pick, which means they will put that game in prime time. And one thing the Big Ten has not done with a ton of examples in the past are Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. They have not traditionally played night games in November. So a few things that they need to figure out with that because Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan, they'll be at the top of the food chain for CBS, NBC, and for Fox. Well, on the weeks that Fox and CBS, when the weeks that they pick first, then you'll be in the noon and the 3.30 window. But the weeks that the NBC crew will pick first, they'll obviously be at night. And the three teams have already expressed a little bit of frustration about having to play games at night when they have not traditionally done so in the past. So something to iron out there. I don't think it's a big deal. I'm thrilled about NBC, CBS's, and Fox's involvement in college football. And I know the Big Ten will be well represented in all three windows each and every week throughout the football season as well.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. As always, we like to get into our mailbag as often as we can. We have a bunch of questions that have been stocked up for the offseason, and we plan on getting to them a little at a time. So continue to send in your mailbag questions, always collegefootball at gmail.com, or you can submit them at always CFB on both Instagram and on Twitter. Coops, where are we going? All right. First one comes from Mark in North Carolina. No, it's not me. Do you think any of the recent rumors around the ACC splitting up will have a negative impact for the, quote, smaller programs of the ACC, Louisville, Boston College, Duke, et cetera? Not in the near term. Right now, there's a lot of scuttlebutt, but it really doesn't affect the bottom line. It's mostly just chirping and saying, we deserve more, we deserve more, but they're not going to get more, not in the near term at least, or it doesn't seem like this based on some of the articles that you read. So I don't anticipate it having a huge impact on Duke, Louisville, or Boston College, or any of the aforementioned teams that aren't in the quote, Magnificent Seven. So it's something to keep an eye on. For instance, Louisville feels a little bit, to me, like they have some significant momentum. You go and hire Jeff Brom. He's now gone out and done a good job in the portal. Louisville traditionally has been well-supported athletically. They have deep pockets. They've been great in multiple sports. Obviously, maybe not as good recently in hoops, but a team that's won and competed for national championships. One of the best baseball programs of the last two decades. They've been great there as well. And football's had a really a lot of tremendous runs of success throughout the course of time as well. So I'm not super concerned about the other seven schools right now in the ACC, but like we've talked about already about the quote magnificent seven, if they decide to move every one of those ACC schools would be in line to get picked up by say the big 12 or somewhere like that. So I think they're going to be perfectly fine. I'm not concerned about it whatsoever because all of those schools have really solid programs. Maybe some better than others, but the ACC top to bottom, there's still a lot of really good teams and a lot of, I think, very important brands that would be left behind in the event in which those seven schools took off and did their own thing. All right, next question comes from Lacey in Florida. She asks, will Keon Coleman be the instant impact wide receiver for Florida State? And can he finally be the playmaker that the Knowles have been missing over the past couple of years? Well, Lacey, I appreciate the, the question, but I'm trying to figure out what Johnny Wilson last year was pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like Florida State the last couple years have been 
excellent at wide receiver. Well, last year, excellent at wide receiver. The year before, not so much. But they've done a really good job of going out and attracting guys that could be major difference makers. Keon Coleman's the next in line. I was surprised, frankly, that he was favoring Florida State in the process, reading through some of the tea leaves the last couple of weeks because they'd already added Jaheim Bell, who is, I think, going to be one of the better, more versatile playmaking weapons in the ACC this year. He's coming down to play tight end, H-back, what have you, from South Carolina. And of course, Johnny Wilson's already in a position right there to be the number one receiver, arguably, in the ACC. I mean, he's got great length, had a great year last year, and if he can continue to develop the chemistry with the quarterback, then he could find himself in an all-ACC position. So I think the rich get richer. They've done such a great job this year, Florida State has, in the portal. This has been a couple years in a row. You go get Fentrell Cypress, the corner from Virginia. Might be a lockdown guy day one. I already referenced Jaheim Bell. He's a game-changer potentially, and at times was maybe the – maybe the most versatile weapon on the South Carolina Gamecocks last year. You go get Jeremiah Byers, who's probably going to upgrade your tackle position from UTEP. And you add defensive line Brandon Fisk from Western Michigan. So they've already done a great job the last couple of years. Jared Verse last year, a few others. Yes, they lost Micah Pittman, but maybe Keon Coleman could fill that void a little bit, even though Pittman didn't impact the game as much as we thought he might last year. So I think Florida State's poised to make a really nice run, and hopefully Keon Coleman can draw some of that attention away from Johnny Wilson when they get in the red zone because two guys that are 6'4 and better, Johnny's like 6'7", Keon Coleman's 6'4", those are going to be some matchup nightmares in the red zone when you play against these teams in the fall. All right, I have another transfer question. This one comes from Kevin in Texas. Former TCU wide receiver Jordan Hudson is transferring to SMU. One, what does this mean for the Mustangs? And two, can we expect bigger name prospects if SMU heads to the Pac-12? Well, I think so for sure. I mean, SMU has deep pockets. We know that. Their NIL is tremendous. And what's amazing, Jordan Hudson was at times, I mean, he played all 14 games last year. And he was just kind of buried underneath a really veteran group. But still, I mean, he had some impacts. 14 receptions, 174, three touchdowns, and was one of the top 100 players coming out just a couple years ago nationally, decided on TCU, and now a place that he was previously committed to. He's committed to SMU before he switched to TCU. Well, now he's going back to play for the Ponies after all. So I think it's really interesting. And you look at this receiver room, we, we always talk about Ohio State. We always talk about Texas, all this sort of stuff. I mean, this receiver room right now for SMU is outrageously strong. I mean, Jordan Curley, Moochie Dixon, Jake Bailey. I mean, we're talking about a couple of transfers too. And Romello Brinson and Keyshawn Smith from Miami who are familiar with what Rhett Lashley's done in the past. And this receiver room is stacked. So SMU, I think they're going to continue to be a destination for a lot of players that are on their next school. You're from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Maybe you go away for school. You don't like being away. You want to come back home. Well, SMU is a place where you can make a lot of money in NIL and you compete in an offense that is really fun to be a part of. So something to keep an eye on there. Maybe this addition in Jordan Hudson is a sign of things to come for the Ponies as they continue to move forward. All right, last question for today comes from Tim in Mississippi. Is there any update on the suspensions at Auburn? And do you think this will last into fall camp? Well, in case anybody didn't catch the news 
last week, I think it was Thursday, maybe Friday, Jarquez Hunter, along with a couple other teammates, they had gotten suspended because it appeared there was a video on social media that they were involved in a sex act with an unidentified woman. Since Auburn is immediately suspended until they get more information. And at this point, I, I can't even begin to speculate as to when they will return. Uh, it's obviously a difficult situation on the football field for Auburn because he might've been their best offensive player. Jarquez Hunter, that is. So if he can't return, that could be a huge hit, but they are gathering the information as efficiently as humanly possible, but this could have a pretty significant effect on what Auburn might be offensively if for whatever reason, Jarquez Hunter is not available in the fall. All right, final thought. Just want to say and send our condolences to Jim Brown's family. He passed away over the weekend, was one of the greatest football players in the history of both college football and the NFL. Eight-game season, he rushed for 986 yards and 13 touchdowns in his senior year. Unanimous All-American and was second selection to the All-American team. Uh, he had been at twice and then led Syracuse to a 7-2 ranking, a 7-2 season, ranked number eight nationally in the AP Top 25. So just want to send our condolences to just an incredible, incredible football player and a guy who's number 44 will always be cherished by those that love Syracuse and, of course, what he did with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I think pound for pound, you can make a case he's as good as anybody that ever played the game. So just condolences to his family. We're thinking about y'all, and we're thinking about the Syracuse family as they mourn the passing of a legend. So tough news there on the weekend. We really appreciate you being with us. It's been a, a lot of fun, actually, the last couple of weeks. We talked so much about ball and and matchups and XO and, and great quarterbacks, great receivers, all this other stuff. It's kind of fun to get into the business of football just a little bit because right now, man, there's a lot of moving parts. And I'm having a hard time keeping up, to be honest with you. So having this platform to be able to discuss it and to take y'all's questions and to kind of dive into it a little bit deeper has been really, really rewarding for us here at Always College Football. Don't worry, we're going to get back. The preseason magazines are starting to hit the news shelves, which means we're going to start dialing in to the games coming up this fall here in the weeks to come. But we have a lot to look forward to here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to visit with administrators. we got some coaches lined up that will join the show. So you want to make sure you keep it locked in here on Always College Football because we're your home right here. Between now and the unofficial start to the season, media days, we're going to be here each and every week for you. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jake, for Jack, for Mark, I'm Greg. We hope you have an amazing day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.